Pray with me. Lord, we do believe. We believe because you made us to believe. You arranged our minds so that we would have the capacity for faith. And then you moved us to faith. Father, we are saved by grace, your unmerited favor, through faith. And that not of ourselves. God, even our faith was a gift from you. And so we thank you, Lord, for your wonderful creation, that you would prearrange our relationship with you for loving us that much. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to come now and teach us. Teach us. Make us smart about things spiritual. And, and Lord Jesus, come and give us a new start, another step in becoming more and more like you. We pray in your name. Amen. Fearfully and wonderfully, his works are wonderful. You know who that's talking about? You. That's not a, this is not a self-esteem thing. We had nothing to do with it. It's God and his glory in us. He didn't make mistake when he made us like he made us. And he made us like he did so that we would be both singular and plural at once, that, that we would need each other and everyone would need us, not just what we could do, not just what we had to offer, but us personally. Turn, if you have your scriptures with you, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me show you something. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. First of all, the word gifts is not really in the Greek. Um, um, the Greek word is pneumaticon. And it means spiritual things. There is a spiritual realm, Paul is saying, and it is every bit as real and as structured, more real and more structured and more long-lasting than the physical realm. But he says we can be unaware of it because we are so preoccupied with the physical realm. And so we must learn about this, and we must train according to, watch this, not only according to the things of the Spirit, but we must train according to how that spirit made us. You know, when you discipline, when you train up a child, you, if, if, if you don't take into account that kid's personality, you're in for some rough sailing. You've got to, you've got to communicate appropriate with that kid according to how they were wired. You don't change goals, but you change methods according to how that kid was wired. Because God didn't make a mistake wiring that kid. That kid's who he is or who she is for a wonderful reason. But you've got to know how they were put together and who they were meant to be. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you know, you may never have understood that there's a spiritual realm. But please understand this, that the physical realm was meant to reveal the spiritual realm. That God put the world together in order to reveal the things of himself. Um, it says in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that the creator is clearly seen in his creation. So therefore, we need to know this first. We need to know that the ways in which we are put together are for the glory of God. The, the, that, that he knit us together in our mother's womb very particularly 
in order to show a part of his personality and in order to give us a part of his, person, uh, of his personality. Now, the way we know that, one of the, way, one of the ways we know that, is, is by um, our, our, the act of faith, by the, by the act of how can you believe in something you've never seen? How can you believe in something you've never experienced? You know, I read a, a very interesting article this week in Discover Magazine. Uh, it's about um, some testing done by um, a, uh, um, a professor, uh, Melzack, uh, at uh, Montreal, or I'm sorry, McGill University in Montreal, Canada. Uh, Dr. Melzack is a psychologist, and he is working currently uh, specifically with people who uh, were born without uh, certain limbs, without uh, certain arms or legs. Now, all of us have heard about the phenomena that if someone gets in an accident and they lose an arm uh, or a leg, uh, that for many times years after that, uh, indeed maybe for as long as they live, they can still feel pain in that limb that they've lost. That's, those are called phantom pains, and they, 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 they feel that they have a phantom limb. And all of us could understand that, how the nerve endings would be so used to that, uh, that uh, hand or that foot that uh, somehow if it was then gone, that the nerve endings would still be used to sending signals back to the brain. But in uh, uh, Melzack's uh, observations and interviews and experiments, watch this, fascinating. People who never, who, who, who never had a hand can still feel the hand. People who were born without a foot can still feel the toes that were never there. Now what that means is very significant. It means that our mind does have a map of the body, but that map is not dependent on life experience. It is innate. It was programmed from the beginning. It says that we don't have to have a body to feel a body. Now let me tell you how that is metaphorically spiritual, how we can see that as a spiritual metaphor. We have never had to see God before we understand there is a God. That's why you all are here. You've never seen God. Why do you believe? Why has there never been a civilization on the history of this planet that has not been innately religious? Because before there ever is an experience, there is programmed, God has put into our brain that gear. It is instinctual. It is innate so that someday we could act on that reality because that is the norm. Let me ask you another question. Some of you have been through horrible experiences with churches. As a matter of fact, some of you have never been in a good church. I mean, you've gone to churches that were just dead in our doornail spiritually. I mean, flatlined spiritually. And you sit around and go, why are people coming here? Some of you have been in, in churches where you have been, you have been hurt. I mean, you really have been um, um, wounded, and, and you have been to a church that shoots their wounded. I mean, basically, if you're hurt, that's too bad. Some of you have been in, in, in churches 
where there has been horrendous hypocrisy in, in the leadership. Uh, they, they talk a good talk, but they don't walk the walk. Some of you have been in churches that have been so experiential that, that people literally just go there to get high. They, get there, they go there to have a religious experience. And as long as they can have that kind of belly button gazing religious experience or feel a certain way, um, that's why they go. So, so many have been to churches and had a horrible experience. Now let me ask you this. What are you doing back in church? What are you, do what are you doing here? Why haven't you get, why didn't you just say, church doesn't work. I'm not going there anymore. I'll just live my life with Jesus. Thank you very much. I'll tell you why. Because God has put into our mind that we need other people to walk the walk. That he made us for an eternal family. Even though we may never have experienced it, that map is still in our brain. Why? Because God himself, the triune God, is both singular and plural at once. And so therefore, we keep hoping we'll find a family that cooperates and works together and tends to its wounded and loves its people. We keep hoping that. And indeed, I hope that for this family. But the point is, that map is there. God made us to need each other. Watch this, though. This is the revelation. God made all these people to need you. To need you. Not just what you can do. Not just what you were made to contribute. You. You're the imp you are the, 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 the more important than anything you can do. Look at, what the, look at more of verse 12 here. I'm sorry, chapter 12. It says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to dumb idols, however you were led. Again, that's, that's the incurable religious. If we don't find the truth, then we will worship falsehood because we were made to worship. It says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And what he is saying here is there's a very personal experience of all of us. God has made us into a new person when he sends the Spirit to lead us into the truth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, if anyone be in Jesus Christ, behold, he's a new creature. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away, the new has come. Now, it doesn't say right away. And so, what, what, is, what you're really good for is the part that you play in the great big machinery of the kingdom. It talks about you. It talks about the remaking of being a, being a new person. But having always been a person that was created by God, fearfully and wonderfully made, only now you're in a whole new place. You are a person of spiritual things now. You have a spiritual life now that is accurate. Now, let's again go over why this is so important. I, I, I'm reading a book uh, right now called uh, The 50-Year Dash. 50-Year Dash. Um, it's about turning 50 because I'm going to be turning 50 pretty soon, so I'm kind of reading up on it. Want to know what to expect? By the way, I don't mind turning 50 at all because in my calling, 
Uh, the, older, the older you get, the more credibility you have. Until, uh, 50 is young for a preacher. So I kind of look forward to the wobbling, slobbering days because uh, <clears throat> people will think I'm a man of experience and therefore wisdom. So I don't, I don't mind this 50 deal, but I'm just kind of trying to read up on it. And, and, and this uh, Bob Green is a, is a writer that I like to read, so he's written this book. So he's, he's, he's telling about experiences that 50-year-olds have in common. And uh, one of the experiences that just kind of struck me this week was going to a drawer and, and looking at uh, uh, that drawer, uh, having a number of keys. <laughs> you get you know, a number of keys. You, have, uh, you haven't a clue what they're for. You, you recognize the key. You remember the key. You, can't, you cannot for the life of you tell, you tell yourself, remember what lock that's supposed to fit into. You're, you, I mean, you're, you're hoping that somebody else has a key to that lock because it will remain forever locked because you can't, you can't identify. Well, I was thinking what a difference there is between God creating us as keys and God creating us as people. You see, you're not just made as a mechanical key to unlock some realm of the kingdom. Who you are. Not what you do, not what you are fit for. If you find your spiritual giftedness perfectly and, and walk in, 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 in your uh, realm, that is what you are cut out for, and you fit perfectly into the body. If you forget that you're more important than your function, then you've lost the glory of God. He didn't come down for your function, he came down for you. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whosoever, that's us, individuals. And so we're who he died for. I, I, I remember preaching uh, my first sermon in my home church, which is a big mistake. Don't, if, you're, if you're a preacher, don't go to your hometown. I should have known better. Jesus said, um, a prophet's not without honor except uh, in his home territory. And uh, they were tolerant, but I could see what they were thinking the whole time. They'd watched me grow up. They'd seen me as the reprobate I was, and uh, you couldn't put anything over on them. So anyhow, but I'm, I'm up there preaching, and I look out, um, and, and they had wheeled in to the back my second-grade teacher, who by this time is so old and arthritically and just in tremendous pain. Uh, but there she is, all curled up in a wheelchair. Mrs. Christian was her name. I'll never forget her. And I thought to myself, my goodness, that poor woman, what's she even doing out? But then I thought, no, that's Mrs. Christian. She wouldn't miss this for the world. One of her students was called to preach. She wouldn't miss this for the world. And, 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 and after the service, I went back to her. And it's kind of like, have you, ever, have you ever not ever been able to see somebody as human? You know, there'll always be your second grade teacher. I mean, teachers back in my day all looked like they had boards tied to their back because, because posture was very important to model as well as everything else. And I was so intimidated going back to my second grade teacher, Mrs. Christian, and thanking her for, for being there. But, but as I went on with the day, I thought about some of the things that she had taught me. But I thought even further than that, I thought about who she was in my life. How many teachers have you had who you couldn't remember exactly what they taught you, but you'll never forget them? Who they were in your life and, and why God had placed them in your life. How much more important they were 
and their care for you than any fact they could have given you. I want to tell you that's how important you are. That's how important you are to the church. That's how important you are to the world. It's not just about what you know. It's not just about what you do. It's you. It's you. I'm listening to, to the Who is God. I love that song. And, and Eleanor created that song. The one, who, the one who was singing it was the one who created it. And I thought, what a great gift to the church, that song. And what a great gift to have somebody who, when we're sitting in worship and we're going, what song would go with this? And we can't come up with a song. We look at Eleanor. Hey, Eleanor, create a song that would go with this. And she does. But you know what? Unless you come to know Eleanor Tracy, you've only been half blessed. I mean, here is a woman, and I couldn't say this if she was in this room. She'd be under the chairs crawling toward the back. She doesn't, she hates to even be noticed. She hates that somebody else couldn't sing that song. Nobody else could sing it this morning. Usually Greg sings it, but Greg wasn't here. And so she hated even being up having to sing it because she, she is such a servant heart. And, and, and so I really couldn't say this while she was in here, but you know, she is the gift to the church, not the song. She is. It's very important. So read some of the rest of these verses with me. It says, now there are a variety of gifts by the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries. That is, that is the ways we serve one another. The Greek word here is diakonon, uh, and it means service. It's a way we serve one another, and the same Lord. And there are a variety of effects. Uh, the the, the uh, Greek word here means um, um, unpredictable um, uh, power. There's a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all implied people. There's the bottom line, people. And then the last verse says this, but to each one person is given the manifestation. The word here is... uh, the Greek word is phanerosis, uh, and, and it means uh, a visible proof, a visible proof. Each one of you has at least one spiritual gift, but each one of you has coming through them a visible proof of the goodness of God. Now, now this, is, this is very important because it says, given the manifestation of the Spirit is not a man. The gifts aren't there to, to look at the gifts. Wow, what gift you got? Got the gift of teaching. Oh, I wish I had that one. I got this one. No, it's not about the gifts. It's all about God. It's all about giving glory to God. We serve one another, not so that we can feel good, not even ultimately just so that we can benefit other people. We serve one another, and the service isn't done until God is glorified until they see the goodness and the grace of God. It says manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, this is the fun part, and I'll close with this. It's very, for, very important for us to remember that it's not just about remembering how God made us fearfully and wonderfully, but it's about the delight in us working together. I cannot tell you how how much I'm looking forward to these coming years with you. We're family. 
You know that? I mean, we're, we're this, and to see what he's going to do with us together in this community and in this world. I, I, I love this. I love it. I was reading a story this week in the Scientific American um, about um, Francis Collins. Francis Collins is the head of the U.S. Uh, Genome Project. Um, that is the, the project that uh, the scientific community is hoping will map out the DNA sequences of the three billion cells in our body uh, by the year 2007. That's their ambitious goal. And of course, if, as they map the, out these sequences, then they can also uh, see what mutations cause what diseases. Well, Francis Collins is an on-fire evangelical Christian. As a matter of fact, this, it surprised me that they even had an article about him um, in the, hey, when's Hugh Ross coming? Oh, a week from Wednesday. Okay, never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that next week. But, um, <laughs> sorry, Bill. <laughs> it's the old deer in headlights thing. <laughs> sorry, Bill. Just, I was just thinking of it. But anyhow, so Francis Collins is this on fire, brilliant Christian. Um, and, and the article was kind of about, well, can his, his, relationship, does his relationship with God interfere in his, in his politics or his, his, his uh, scientific ability? And the answer was, well, it certainly is influenced by it because already God has put him in a position to where he is, he is uh, shepherding uh, legislation through Congress that uh, uh, insurance companies won't be able to take away uh, insurance from people who have certain genetic structures that predispose them toward certain diseases. Very important. Already he's saying abortion is not the answer to disease. And so God has put him in a very influential position. But this is what I thought was so cool. Not only is this guy cool, not only is it fun to, to see a Christian in that position, but his daughter is also a physician who works in a missionary hospital in Nigeria. And, and uh, a little while ago he was over there um, and he is a physician, and she was a physician. We're just kind of working together. And they brought this, they brought this uh, very, very sick man in who needed a, uh, an emergency uh, and very uh, delicate operation. And they didn't have the tools in the hospital to do the delicate operation, but he was going to die if they didn't, so they gave it a shot. And using uh, uh, whatever they could, they saved the guy's life. And, and, and his comment afterwards was... <laughs> Not only is it fun to do what God made me to do, but what, what better way to spend time with your family? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be spending time with family. What better way? Pray with me. God, thank you for making us so that we would fit together into the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you have made us so that we would need others and we would not be complete with others. But thank you for the startling fact that they would not be complete without us either. So as we develop these ministries, help us to remember that it's not just about what we do, not just about what we give, not just about the difference we make, but it's about thanking you for who you made us to be. 
We know you didn't make a mistake. We know you made us like, like we are intentionally. And we ask you to use, use us as best you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as the uh, communion servers come forward at this time, uh, let me lead us into this sacrament by planting a couple of thoughts in your mind. First of all, this table and these elements are open to any who follow Christ and who want to be a part of what he is doing in his church, in, in, in his body, through his body. And so this is certainly open uh, to those of you who have that intention. This is not a denominational table. It's our Lord's table. But as you listen to this song, as these elements are distributed, about the beauty of the body of Christ, what will be conjured up in your mind is the image of the physical body of Christ when he walked on this earth a long time ago. But the song is about even more than that. As we imbibe these elements, we are metaphorically, figuratively, but supernaturally and powerfully taking into ourselves the nature of that Christ so that we become that body in this world, so that we have his beauty along with his helpfulness for others. Therefore, as these elements are distributed, please let the Spirit search your heart if there be any sin that would stand in the way of that image of Christ. Please repent of that sin. Put it behind you right now so that as people see us, they can see him more clearly.